Hey guys, welcome back. This is CourtsAheat.com and today, today we are breaking down all things basketball and everything good. Well, serve it this way. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We have it all right here. As yesterday night was pretty eventful in some cases. A lot of series got closed out. A lot of series ended 4-1. to one. Some are going to sun depth. Some are going into next round, and I'm excited. I also want to touch on something that is very exciting to me um, coming up this Saturday. Plus, we'll go into any breaking news that I have not covered on yesterday's two podcast episodes that you can find anywhere and everywhere. First of all, if you guys have not yet, um, on the current station that you're listening to, listening to this on, um, we would ask if you please subscribe, please uh, hit the like button wherever you guys are following us at, wherever you're listening to that. This helps us tremendously. This lets us know that you guys are come back for more, that these are act, that you guys are active users, come back wanting more of this content because we have some really cool surprises coming within next month, next weeks even next days, and we want you guys to be a part of it. Speaking of that, we have something very cool happening. We have the exclusive membership. And look, if you guys listen to our podcast regularly or every other podcast, you know the routine by now. We talk about our elite membership. And this isn't some fancy name, some fancy title you could put uh, your name next to. Give us just money, random money. And you get nothing out of it. No, we don't. We want your money, but no, we don't want to take advantage of you like all these different companies. This is not me shaming different companies because they have good content, but we have better content. And what better way to get your first month, 99 cents only, get four exclusive articles per month, one per week, and, and you get two exclusive new newsletters, one on Friday morning. One Sunday more, Friday more talks about our products and great deals that you get 80% off. And our Sunday one talks about, well, our exclusive main article, there are sub articles, two sub articles down there with tons of coupons. You also get four coupons per month. And we'll even give you personalized emails to each of you when your article is ready. Newsletters ready. It will just send it right to the email that you put down for your subscription. Really easy. It takes about three minutes. First month is nine nine cents. Links will be down in the description below, and that is all. And this is also a really good way to help a small business because we have we have been here for over a year now, and it would really mean a lot to us. As many of you have already given your hard-earned money for us in exchange to give you something that you love. Our hard-working contents now being yours and only yours. And we just ask if you would do that just as something to get in return for cool insider basketball information that no one else is providing. That we're getting from hard-to-find sources and something that our experts are diving deep on. So without further ado, let's jump in real quick to social media. Real quick, I get it if you don't want to remember all of our social media handles 
look, I can't even figure out most of them because I have like over 10 legit over. That's just like me being very uh, cautious and um, uh, cautious and graceful, maybe. I don't know. Cautious, that's a big good word of how many handles I have. Look, I'm just going to start with the ones most common. You can find you can find us on all social media by just checking Quartzite Heat in the Google machine. One word, Quartzite Heat, one word, Quartzite Heat in the Google machine. And that will allow you to see our website, our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, our YouTube, our link tree, or whatever. But if you guys want to hear it, just don't want to type in, I get it. But if you want to look us up on the app, look us up on anywhere, YouTube. Um, apparently, you can't do YouTube.com slash Quartzy Heat. will allow us to do it. We're trying to get that uh, thing resolved. But hey, real quick, if you want to help us resolve the matter quicker, uh, for ease of looking up and just ease of getting to us better, uh, I would advise hitting the subscribe button because the closer we get to 100 subscribers, the closer we can get to getting our name in our URL, like youtube.com slash Quartz Heat. But for now, just go to Quartz Heat, type in that one, uh, one word or three separate words, however you want to do that, into the YouTube machine, and boom, bada, bang, you will be seeing all of our content videos. Everything from playoff brackets to highlight videos, honoring Kobe Bryant, giving a tribute to KG and his savage, great plays he made on the court, to Luka Doncic's 2018 highlights, and to now, to great moments, silly moments, funny moments, angry moments, like are you kidding me moments type videos, and everything else. Without further ado, you can find us at Instagram.com slash Courts of Heat NBA. The only one that has an NBA in their social media handle, or well, in our social media handles. That is Courts of Heat NBA. Or if you just want to do numbers, just put uh, the number sign, the number one. You will be able to find us there quicker or NBA expert or number one NBA expert, as many of you rank us as. And as we rank ourselves, ironically. Um, you can find us on Twitter.com slash Chords of Heat, Facebook.com slash Chords of Heat, uh, Linktree.com slash Chords of Heat. Again, if you want to see all of this information, if I have to remember it, click, just go to Chords the main mothership, the main place where you can get everything, the main hub, the main transportation of all things, NBA-related content, news, and everything else. Right there at the website, the main mothership, and things like that. Okay, I'm pretty sure I covered everything on the social media, and I think that came through nicely. I think so did the exclusive membership. Again, everything will be done in the uh, description below, whether you're watching this or listening to this on any platforms that we have. Okay. So we have a huge list to get through today as there was four games as we broke down the previous episode around 4 p.m. yesterday night. 
right before the Mavs, I'm sorry, right before Philly and Washington took off. And look, those games yesterday, and I just want to rerun what was happening. So Philly, I'm just going to break down each of the scores. I'm going to give all the scores, all what happened in the game. Then I'm going to break it down. Uh, 76ers beat the Wizards 129-112. That leaves Philly with a 4-1 lead. They win that series. They advance to the second round, knocking off the Wizards. Hawks knock off the Knicks 103-89. Atlanta wins 4-1. They advance to the second round. Utah wins 4-1 as they knock off the Grizzlies 126-110. Then you have... 105 to 100, Mavericks top the Clippers. Dallas now leads 3 to 2. And that's a very deciding that was a very deciding game. And what the Mavericks showed was that Luka Doncic's neck is doing much better. Still strained, but doing much better. And now they're going back to Dallas. And um huge game six. A huge game six. That could decide it all. Okay. So, let's start with the Mavericks, since we landed on them. Just because, why not? It would only seem appropriate, right? So, to begin with the uh, Mavericks and Clippers, this game was played in LA. Um, Excuse me, Um, did not mean to do that, my apologies. We had Mavericks and Clippers. Mavericks saw Luka Doncic injured. And I was wrong. I'm just going to admit it. I was wrong. I was 100% wrong in what I said about the Clippers and Mavericks. I saw Ka- uh, Kawhi Leonard was going to go beast mode like he did last game. Shove it right down the uh, Mavs- Mavericks' throats because they have a fully healthy uh, Porzingis. Or more importantly, a fully healthy Luka Doncic. But somehow they topped them. Somehow they topped them. It's quite impressive. It's quite scary if you think about it. You, I don't know how to explain it, but the Mavericks, they were just in the first quarter. In the first quarter, first and four, first and third quarters when they outscored them, um, and everything else became irrelevant. That game. Was such a close game. It was. The Clippers had the lead. The Mavericks had the lead. Everyone had the lead. Um, but what I saw the most was that the Mavericks were trying something new. They gave Dwight Powell, Powell um, bigger a bigger role against the Clippers. That was crucial for the Mavericks to take Game 5, which they did. And he's already thriving. I just want to say how significant that is. The Mavericks played very well. Very well. You had Tim Hardaway Jr. still doing things. You had Ogadonich scoring 42 points. You had Porzingis only having 9 points for Three of nine, I mean, three of six shooting. That's bad, but here, I'm not expecting anything more out of Porzingis, right? But Doncic showed no effects from a neck strain. 
He rallied Mavs in the third. He really did. They outscored the Clippers. The LA joint was outscored. And they were leading them 56-54 to 54 at, half, at the half. And they and Dallas was so dominant that they closed the quarter out on a 22-3 run. Including half those points being contributed by Doncic. And now lead Bromdip. And that pretty much led them post halftime to 89 to 75. So to make it that close, to make it that hustle by the, what you call, I'm sorry, the Clippers, that's still pretty impressive, right? That you would have the Clippers still battling back saying, we need to win this game. This game has huge implications if we lose. This game has huge victories if we win. And that was, and it was, I don't know, I'll uh, say, it, it was huge for either team, of course, being tied to a piece. But, the Clippers just stalled out. They faded. After that lead in the third quarter, it just stalled. Rajo Rondo was not playoff Rondo. He, I get he's older. He just is not converting his shots. Air balls are seen by him. Leonard... Close out the third quarter with two misses, two really bad misses. That was he was not leading his team, nor was Paul George. You had Boban Marvanovic, uh, Boban Mem, because I don't Boban M, because I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Where they were just being taken everywhere by Boban in the third quarter. The Clippers could not do anything offensively or defensively against Boban. More def- offensively against Boban because Boban's more known for his defense, not his offensive attacking capabilities, right? Or abilities in general. That's not his playset, but the seven foot four did bobble the ball a few times when Doncha tried to him a few looks, but defense was really solid for him. And the Mavericks, I mean, I'm sorry, the Clippers could not do anything to stop him in the third quarter. It was like they were getting iced by a tall Chris Bosh, but with lesser, but with less skill, if that makes sense. It, it was just bad. It was just bad. And that was the first time, that was the first time that, Boban made his first start of the series, and he thrived in his role, in his starting role. And he, in what um, NBC said, harassed um, the Clippers, his former team. Well, you say harassed them in the fur in the third quarter. That's pretty significant. And you say, oh, he had nine points and seven rebounds. That's nothing in twenty minutes. But it's bigger than the stats sometimes. It's bigger than saying, oh, it's just the stats and he wasn't that good. But you got to look at the impact. Because if he's showing defensive stops, filling the lane, filling the gaps, putting more pressure, not allowing fadeaways to happen inside shots, allowing guys to create own shots, because a 7'4 guy should be able to do that. Like Porzingis. Like um. Like uh, Boban, like these different guys, even Powell was getting things in. So Boban and Powell was thriving, 
was thriving in their starting roles uh, this game. Defensively and a little bit offensively. And then you had the bench. The bench was good. Porzingis did not play well. He should have taken more shots. But in this case, I'm okay with him not taking more shots. Because Luka Doncic was on fire with 42 points and 14 assists with 8 rebounds. 2 was shy from a triple-double in 43 minutes. Come on, man. That's pretty, pretty, pretty good stats. Like, really good stats. And he came off of that horrible game. Not his fault doing next right now. Looked really bad grabbing it. He looked much better. Reports showed that was telling us that he wasn't really holding his neck as much, that the neck wasn't really bothering him, which was a huge plus. You can even see in some of the highlights. Going 17 for 37, 43 minutes is not bad, especially for putting up 42 points. Was getting back to his original form like he was on May 28th. His shooting was a little more precise in May 28th, but for having a strained neck, it's not bad. That's really good. I can't tell you how significant that is to rebound off of that and to win a game. That's, like, amazing. And he's still hitting three-pointers, still daggering it, still driving in the lane, putting up fancy layups, going with contact, with showing great mobility, showing that, okay, I have this neck injury, but I'm not letting it hinder my game, hinder his play style, stop him from doing what he does the best, what he loves. And overall, I like that. I like that a lot. And I thought that was something that he really, really, really did well this season. I'm sorry, this series so far, especially in this game. By far, this was his best game when playing with that injury. Clippers. I'm going to move over to the Clippers. Paul George. Uh, <laughs> He played okay. He played okay. He played okay. Um, 20 points. It's not bad. It's not bad at all, but... I will give Paul George and Kawhi Leonard this. The Clippers did bounce back. They thrived. They, they strived. They grinded back after falling behind by 16 points early in the fourth quarter. They did outscore the Mavericks. They, they outscored Dallas. 16 to 6 to get to a 95 to 91 manageable uh, deficit. But then it went back down to a 10 point lead when you saw 101 and 91, right? But they still weren't done. They didn't rally it off. They, they got nine straight points to make it 101 to 100. But then, then this is what killed them. You ready? Missed layups in a horrible shot by Kawhi Leonard. I'll repeat that. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard hit a bad shot with 43 seconds remaining in that game. Do you know how significant that is? Why is that significant? Because that would have turned the tide of that game. If he would have made that shot or would have been more patient with the ball, he could have won that game or would have been up. Could have been up 100 to 103, somewhere around there. And I could have altered the game. Didn't have to allow him to foul. 
They have to allow him to be more in pressured situations. And you could have taken that game. So, Nick Bottom missed a crucial uh, crucial layup. Kawhi Leonard missed a huge free-pointer that needed to be taken. Was taken, but then sorely missed. And now you're dealing with this. So, I respect the hustle. I respect that they're rallying back. I don't respect the Mavericks were giving up such a huge lead. They were taking their foot off the gas pedal, stopping the defensive pressure, and just letting the Mav- and then letting the Clippers rally back into this. Reggie Jackson had a great 20-point game. Kawhi, in 42 minutes, should have put more than 20 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. From uh, Marcus Morris, uh, getting 16 points out of him was good, 7 rebounds. Nick Bottom missed a crucial shot that would have defined his career at that moment, right? Rajon Rondo was horrible that game. I, 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 I don't believe it. He's gone in twenty one minutes, zero for six, two rebounds, six assists, and one point. He he was I believe one for two. He missed a free throw, and only had one point at twenty one minutes. Does anybody know how significant that is? Last game he didn't play well. Three of six. Two of seven. The list can just keep going on and on. He just doesn't shoot well when he's able to take shots. It's just insane looking at the plus slash mind spread on everyone. And you can say Nicholas Bottom was plus six plus eighteen. You can say Rajon Rondo is minus 19, which I believe that. You can say all these guys were plus and minuses, but in the end of the game, the crucial parts came down to defense and offense, possessions, fast breaks, everything else, allowing the gap, allowing everything to be open or closed, mismatches and key matches on offense or defense in the fourth quarter and third quarter. That second half was crucial for both teams, and the Mavericks somehow made it through. Because if the Mavericks didn't stop Nick Bottom and Kawhi Leonard on those two crucial plays, they would have been tied or they would have been up 105 to 100. And you would have saw the Clippers probably putting the foul pressure on the Mavericks to say, hey, you have fouls to do some free throws here. Try to get this ball back. And it didn't work out that way. And instead, the Mavericks won. And I will admit, I was wrong. I thought the Clippers were going to win this game because of what I saw in game four with Kristaps Porzingis not playing that well. Having to adjust without Luka Doncic. But Luka Doncic showed up, and I'm impressed, and I congratulate him on that. 43 minutes for 42 points. Almost, pretty much, if you have 43 points, it's like around a minute per, per point. So now, look into next game. And next game is going to be at Dallas, I believe, on Thursday? Friday. Going to be on Friday, uh, June 4th. We're at, at Dallas. And it all comes down, can the Clippers win? Can the Clippers win? Can they or can they not? And that's like going to be the make or break. Can, or real question going to be, can the Mavericks with Luka Doncic 
And with the help that they have around the sport, supporting cast, can they close out the series? Are they man enough? Are they game enough? Are they able, skilled enough, would probably be the better terminology, to take out the Clippers permanently and show them how defeating they are, despite the two-game pushback? So those are my feelings on it. Those are my takes on it. I'll talk more about that game when it comes, but I want to get to something more. Something I just want to steamroll past real quick, and that would be um, the Jazz and Grizzlies. That game was just awful. At one point in the first quarter, you were up by 20. And then I do applaud Memphis coming back. And making it only a 16 point deficit. Still a four point spread of of getting those points back. Or whatever. It doesn't really matter. A loss is a loss. And the Jazz just steamrolled them. Donovan Mitchell went off for 30 points and 10 assists. Rudy Gobert 23 points and 15 rebounds. Bogdanovich. Uh, Bojan Bonovich went off for 17 points and 8 rebounds. Uh... Royce O'Neal went off for 17 points at 6 rebounds. Something rare I've never seen him do recently. Jordan Clarkson, good solid points at 6 man. Um, 6 man on that team, 24 points. Everybody came trailblazing out. Defense was great, obviously. They held them. Offensive transitions, fast breaks were there. They um, converted... 38% of their free throws, 51% of their field goals. They only missed one free throw in that game. Same for Memphis, but they out-rebounded them offensively and defensively. They had more assists in them, uh, had more steals, same amount of turnovers, had more points in the paint. Fouls were four fouls higher, but... Look, you're going to get called out for foul, so I'm not too worried about that. But Donovan Mitchell proved that despite having that injured ankle, injured ankle in game one, not able to play, they were able to come back and win the next four. And that duo of Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell has worked to a T every single time with Jordan Clarkson, with Bogdanovich, with Connolly, with everyone else. Now, the one thing I will say... Joe Ingles did not play well tonight in 28 minutes. He did have four rebounds and four assists. That's great. But, but he went 0-5, zero points. These past few games, he has not been playing up. He did not play any good minutes. Went on the court. His plus slash minus was not great. And I'm hoping that he can rebound for next. Because even though I like to say every... Clark counts in this series. It really does on for this team. Because Clarkson, Mitchell, Gobert, Donov- Bogdanovich, and potentially Neil have done their parts. Mainly Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And potentially Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson was huge. So was, uh, so was Gobert. So was Mitchell. Mitchell's the offensive guy. Gobert's the defensive guy. Jordan Clarkson's the uh, half-offensive, half-defensive guy. That's how I categorize him. But they won, since losing game one, they won the past four. And to me, in my books, and how humiliating that is for the Grizzlies, I 
we call that a sweep. I thought they would get swept. But going off of brackets, because looking before pause, after game one, after game two, I picked Grizzlies, I think, besides once I have to check my brackets again. But yeah, but congratulations, but congratulations to the Jazz. They'll now be facing their next opponent in the second round very soon. Okay. Let's get to it. We have two more games to cover. I'm just going to steamroll past this one. I will admit, I was wrong. I was wrong in this game about the 76ers against Wizards. 76ers did win 4-1 to if you checked out the podcast episode yesterday. The second one I did just for fun about this and whatnot. I thought the Wizards were going to do it. The Wizards did it. Roy Hachimori got 21 points. Brad Bill had 32. Russell Westbrook had 24. However, somehow, Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, and Tobias Harris pulled fruit. Seth Curry had a 30-point game. He was a player of the game. Ben Simmons had a 19-point triple-double in 39 minutes. Not his best game, and thank goodness for Seth Curry for pulling fruit. And Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris had a 28-9-6 uh, game in 37 minutes. That's significant. That's significant. I didn't expect Seth Curry and Tobias Harris going off for these huge games. I wasn't expecting Ben Simmons to be good. I thought they would have been lacking without without we call him, uh without Joel Beat. I thought they would be lacking severely, but with the boosted help of Seth Curry and Tobias Harris, they were significant. They were able to go to the line more. They were able to convert more of their free, uh, more of their free pointers, more of their field goals, had more, uh, total rebounds, more assists, more blocks, more steals, less turnovers, more points in the paint, and less fouls committed. When you're ranking in almost every single category, which they are, that's significant. That's significant. Ben Simmons pulled through footies. He was a passer. He was able to play good defense. Tobias Harris was a great player. Everybody, this was a team effort, especially with concern with foul Joel Embiid. Now, Joel Embiid, depending if this is a new entry with him, could be out for the remainder of the pause because of a small meniscus tear in his knee. Like I was addressing in the last podcast episode, and even now, more portraits saying Joel Embiid's not going to be healthy for... The upcoming season. I mean series. As they're trying to keep it. As they're trying to keep it going. Right. He's trying to. Keep it going. With team therapy. Physical therapy. Trying to get through this. Trying to come back. And with it being a small meniscus tear. He may be able to come back for the third round. Mid second round. I don't know. I don't know about this. But everybody wasn't high on the 76ers winning. I wasn't. So props to them for winning. Props to Seth Curry for being a somebody. And not letting his brother always being the one. That's always better than being known for his three-point game. His field goal percentages and whatnot. But this was his biggest game of his career. His playoff career. Finally stepping up when needed. And being a starter-like player. 
So, really good. Seth Curry, player of the game. Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, everybody battled out. It just came down to the 76ers having more firepower by sheer luck of what, what Roy Harm Tamori, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Bob, Seth Curry was able to do. Significant, significant. And now they'll be facing the Hawks in the second round. Whoops, I spoiled it. I spoiled it big time. Huh. Let the cow the bag. Well, I guess I did that in the beginning. Go through all like the series and what happened, who won. But yeah, the Hawks won 103 to 89. And Trey Young, Trey Young, who is winning that game significantly, showing off, showboating, especially late in the fourth quarter. With around 40, 30 seconds around there, left in the fourth quarter, left in the game, he took a bow. Took a bow after eliminating New York, hitting with a dagger, a deep dagger, almost a half court, just slightly in the middle of the arc in the half court logo. And then he took a bow. Mocking because they won in New York. They closed down New York. Enraging fans. They, they, they. That's just. That's significant for what the Hawks did. I predicted that the Hawks were going to win. I said what was going to happen. I told you Joyce Randall, RJ Barrett, uh, Bullock, Rose was not going to be enough for Hunter Collins, Young, Capella, Bogdanovic, Herder, Gallinari was going to do, right? It was significant. Young was the player of the game with 36 points. 36 points. No doubt in my mind. The bow at the end was the icing on top of the cake. Why? It sealed the deal. It's like, yeah, yeah, you spit on me. You New York fans spit on me. You... You put explicit chants by on my name when you guys thought you're cool in those first two games. I responded by going in there, winning the next two in Atlanta, then coming into your home territory in Mass Square Garden and putting a dagger in your face and bowing and bowing, taking a bow and having one of the savage, savage responses in the media. Violating it to shows that are done in Madison Square Garden. That was Trey Young. That's the Trey Young that was explosive. That's like, <laughs> these losers aren't doing anything. And for the Knicks, this is great for the Knicks. At least they got to the playoffs. This is not how you wanted to go out. Game 1 2 looked competitive. Game 3, 4, and 5, and 6. Or, I'm sorry, Game 4 and 5. Game 3, 4, and 5 just didn't look that good. They got blown out. Their offense crippled. They were inconsistent a lot over the span of so many games. New York was only able to convert 37% of their field goals, 40% of their free pointers, 84% of their free throws. They got out-rebounded, uh, out-jousted out in assist steals, had more turnovers, had less points in the paint, and more fouls. They just were inconsistent and bad. And that's how I see them. 
Norris Noel didn't play well. Adobe Toppin didn't play well. The only good player that played well was Joyce Randall and maybe and RJ Barrett to a certain extent, but Derrick Rose wasn't playing well. Bullock wasn't playing well. But you also saw that with Gallinari in 18 points with a point. Going 0 for 7. That's Gallinari. Gallinari's not a good basketball player. He just he just choked. Now what would happen? What would happen if the thirty two year old actually had to be stepping up? Same guy is not. That's why we have Trey Young. And that's why we have Nate McMillan, not Lloyd Pierce. But Capella, huge off um, offense, defensive rebounding machine, huge earners fourteen points, fifteen rebounds. Hunter with fifteen points, Colin with thirteen points, Young with thirty six. I already mentioned nine assists. Bogdanovich, eh, thirty five points, nine uh, points, seven rebounds, and five assists. It'll do, right? But they got through it. They got through it. They dominated. They they exposed and intimidated the Knicks. And now the Knicks are going to have to see what they're going to do about Derrick Rose if they want to retain him for veteran leadership, for veteran presence. What they're going to do with Julius Randle. What they're going to do in the draft and offseason. Where they want to be at in all these different offseason valuations. But congrats to Nate McMillan for being a team that had to be 14 and 20, being left with a good team that Lloyd Pierce obviously could not deal with, and take him to the playoffs, win in the first round, now go into the second round, and I can't remember who that to face, but they're facing someone in the second round. And we're seeing an explosive team under right coaching with the right coaching staff under the right leadership of Trey Young with a good a good supporting cast. That's what you need. And that's what's been working. And that four to one win of a series has proven it true. Okay. Okay. Since since we're talking about it. We have two games to, uh, today. Nuggets Trailblazers, Suns Lakers. And might I just say real quick, both LA teams, which would be the Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers, are both on the brink, are both teetering on losing in the first round. LeBron, who's 14-0 in the first round, could be suffering his first ever first round loss in his career. The Clippers could be having an humiliating defeat. While it was a valiant effort, they have to wonder where Paul George is going to be going, where Kawhi Leonard is going to be going, more importantly, Kawhi Leonard, since his contract expiring. But imagine that what was known as two top LA teams now could be on the brink of elimination. What's to come of Anthony Davis or LeBron? What's to come of Anthony Davis? Groin injury and knee injury, who he had to play a hyperextended knee in game four. Game, uh, what was it? Game four, game four, yeah. And now you had that groin injury where you had to sell last game where Phoenix won 3 to 2. It's going to be tricky, but real quick before I keep diving into Phoenix, I want to bring Nuggets Trailblazers. 
This is an important game for both teams. The Nuggets in round one are going to have the tricky competition, tricky uh, task of closing out this series against Dame Time, against Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Carmelo Anthony, and whoever else they have on that on that team of theirs. There was one more player. There's one more player that I wanted to point out that I saw played very well. It was um Who was it? I'm looking at it up right now because there was a guy. There was a guy. Was it Norman Powell? I said it was Norman Powell. Hold on, give me a minute. Then when they tied the series 2-2, it was, yeah, it was Norman Powell. 29 points. He was stepping up. When Damian Lillard couldn't, when CJ McCollum couldn't, he stepped up big time. Then, of course, in that double overtime, Damian Lillard hits back-to-back shots, like, to send it into overtime. And then one, one shot was to send it overtime. The other shot was sent into double overtime. And he had 55 points and 10 assists. Significant. In today's game at 5 p.m. AZ time, we're going to see Denver leading this game 3-2, but can they make it 4-2 and close out the series, or can the Trailblazers in Portland, may I add, try to close this out and try to say, hey, we're not done yet. We're going to try to force a Game 7 back in Denver, try to take this and see what we can do. Because Dame Miller's not gonna put, I'm uh, not gonna go down without a fighting chance. Nor will CJ McComb, nor will Carmelo Anthony, nor will Powell. And but may I say, the Nuggets have done very well without Jamal Murray, and the fact that you have Nikhil Jokic playing out of his mind. You have Michael Porter Jr. being a great role, a role, a great player, a great Robin to the Batman of. Nikhil Jokic in terms of the Nuggets, right? You have all these great players. Eric Gordon's been okay. He's he's not what I thought he was going to be, but we'll see what he is next season, right? But this is significant. This all comes down to this game. This is make or break for the Nuggets. Make or break for the Trailblazers, because at least the Nuggets can say, well, at least we have a game we can win in one out of two times we have to. We should, but the Trailblazers have to say, we need to win this game. Because if we don't win this game, we're in big, big trouble. And it's not going to be looking good. Especially who's in Portland. But they're looking to finish the series against Portland in Game 6. And, that, and that's the thing. But here's the thing. Both teams need to play better defense. Denver Nuggets will become more exposed to that. Portland never had really good defense. But they were able to get a few key stops. And when there needs to be some possessions, fast breaks, some runs made in Portland, Dame Miller knows how to turn it on. And it was funny, like in the overtime, Dame Miller like had 17 points while the rest of the team had two points like in overtime combined and whatnot, which I saw was crazy. But that just shows how significant he really is in this process. But yeah, that's where we'll be at with the Nuggets Trailblazers. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It's just make or break for both teams. This is going to show 
are the Nuggets frauds in closing out and being a first seed team? Or would they actually get the job done without their star player, Jamal Murray, and see what Jokic can do? Can he rise to the occasion? Can this be a team effort, rise to occasion? Can they fix their problems? Can they win and close out the season on their way, on their opponent's home court? Can, for, can, vice versa, can the Trailblazers do it? At home court, try to tie up the series, force a game seven for potential seven, uh, Saturday, June 5th matchup in Denver, in Denver, Colorado. Man, oh man, what can that be? We'll know by today at 5 p.m. We'll know today by um, 7.30 p.m. or 8 p.m. for that game. Now, my my favorite topic that I wanted to get to today that I believe is very critical to talk to that has many implications, many things riding on it. And that is Suns against Lakers. Playing in L.A., like I said before, LeBron could be on the brink of losing his undefeated streak in the first round. Could become 14-1. Could force this to a Game 7. Who knows? But all I know is that the Suns, with a banged-up Chris Paul, need to have the same Chris Paul that they had in the first half of last game until Monty Williams' stupid decision to keep him in the game that cost them another injury, re-aggravating that injury. Of that right short contusion or that labrum issue. This is going to be a tough challenge. Because. And here's the thing. Anthony Davis added clarification to if or if not if he can play. And he said and I quote. As far as tomorrow obviously want to play. Still wanting to get medically cleared with the groin. And quote. He's still waiting. He's still waiting to get medically cleared. And what if he doesn't get medically clear? Will he try to convince Frank Vogel and the medical staff? Probably. Because you don't want to miss uh, second half of game four. All of game five. And then potentially all of game six. But then also it comes into factor for Anthony Davis. What happens if you do play that game? You're not as productive because you have your knee injuries, you have your groin injuries, and you're now known as Anthony Street Close Davis. And you're not too sure if you're going to be getting six points shut down due to injuries, not getting that bounce, not being as aggressive, attacking the rim, protecting the rim, stopping Devin Booker in the transitions, stopping Karen Payne. Going down the lane, stopping whoever going down the lane, paying perimeter and things like that. So, that's very that's very interesting, and this also brings up Tavius Cataway Pope, KCP, uh, Mike Trudell, Lakers reporter said that Vogel said KCP looked okay in the first half of Game Five from a movement standpoint. But his knee got increasingly sore on him as the game went on. And it tightened up in the second half. And he'll be a game time decision for game six. Which is today at 6.30. This is make or break for the Suns. Make or break for uh, the Lakers. And let's be honest. Let's be honest. If the Suns win, it won't be about how the Suns triumphed for a decade. 
They'll have to get proof that in the second round. It will be all the focus by the mainstream media. But the NBA, everyone will be like, how could this happen to LeBron and Anthony Davis? More important, LeBron. How could LeBron actually lose in the first round? Is this an end of the era with LeBron? Should he just retire? What's going to happen with Anthony Street Coast Davis? Is he just Mr. Glassman now? Is the Lakers really going to be falling in the first round to the Suns out of all teams? Like, what's going to happen? What happened to Puff Braun? What happened to LeBron James that dagger to free right into the Warriors' face? All these things are going to pop up. I'm not suggesting these are all going to pop up. I'm just saying the majority of this is going to pop up. Because here's the thing. Everybody's going to be talking about that because LeBron's never lost in the first round. He's always shown dominant. And no, and everybody's already concerned how he's always being gassed in the third court, hands on knees, trying to get out of there, trying to clear his mind, trying to have some refocused mindset energy in the game six. And might I say, what a coward, what a stupid move LeBron James did. What a disrespectful move it was. With five minutes remaining in the game, you went back to the locker room all by yourself because you didn't feel like playing or, I mean, watching that game, the rest of the game. Then congratulate the Suns on their blowout. I get it's frustrating. I get this is not what the proclaimed king is. And let's be honest, if you have to say, I need my, I want your darn respect, you should be giving me your darn respect. Now, it didn't say darn. I'm just ter- I'm just translating that word. You should not be having to demand respect because if you're the GOAT, respect is given when earned. And that's Kobe and um, Kobe never demanded the fans respect or claiming or saying, oh, you must call me King Kobe or you have to call him King Jordan. Kobe and Jordan never did that. They just played. They balled out. And then the fans are like, these two are the GOATs. Kobe was the closest thing ever to Jordan, and Jordan's the GOAT. He was the ultimate spirit. 6-0 in the NBA Finals. LeBron's 4-10 in the NBA Finals. But I'm not getting down to GOAT conversation, because everybody probably right now listening to his podcast is pretty livid and whatnot. But I'm just saying, going through shooting drills, going through everything, this is going to leave them. Because KCP's not going to be as effective. This comes down to Anthony Davis. They need uh, they need Cataway Pope. That's for sure. But here's the thing. It's not going to be that way. Because if that knee soreness is still tying up in the second half, there goes one of your starters. There goes one of your bench players. There goes, if you even give them all those minutes. There goes one of your players. We don't know what's going to happen. And then you also have to talk about if, let's say, Anthony Davis is out again, they need to figure out the second quarter. Because every time Anthony Davis is out, they always seem to be struggling in the second quarter. And they need to fix that. They need to fix that. They were, last game, they were outscored 32 to 10 in that, in that quarter, which really killed the chances of the Lakers doing anything. And. Now, this puts the Lakers into their first elimination game since since they acquired Anthony Davis. 
They have the, the Lakers, and I'm not trying to say I want the Lakers to win. I want the Suns to win. I'm just trying to say, hey, this is what the Lakers need to do. Because this is going to be an iffy game for them if they don't have uh, KCP or Anthony Davis. And LeBron needs to put his big boy pants on again. Um, Actually play. I know he's too concerned about political issues and just trying to run his mouth off. But remember, you're still playing in the playoffs. You still have obligations, responsibilities, and team not to let down. Let's not remember that. Let's not forget that. So, but getting back to it, regardless of what anything happens, the Lakers need to find a way to generate turnovers against the Sun teams that has only has only had four miscues in game five. In game five, and this is what the Lakers, this is what the Lakers are reporting. This is Lakers.com. This is things to know. And I agree with us. If you're not creating turnovers, if you're not forcing more pressure defensively onto them, if you're not creating that pressure on Devin Booker, he's going to do it. You can't let him get around. Set, can't, can't let him get around those pick and rolls. Jay Crowder comes over, sets the pick, or Derek Sargent comes, sets the pick, or Frank the Tank sets the pick, or whoever sets the pick, and let him roll on by, get the open free. And that's what happened a few times. He was just creating his own shots based on that. Andre Drummond's been the worst where guarding um, DeAndre when he let DeAndre go 10 for 11, 21 points on him on that first game victory. And then having four turnovers this past game. They, the Phoenix won the game four turnover battle too. They're winning these turnover bouts, and the Lakers are killing themselves in some aspects because turnovers are killing them. Sloppy passes are killing them. Uh, misdirections are killing them. Bad timing is killing them. Um, non-communication is killing them. Non-effort is killing them in so many things. And even in game three, they had 18 turnovers. So it's like, you need to start creating turnovers for the Suns. Get some fast break. Set a fast pace t- uh, tone for your Lakers team because the Suns could not keep up with that in games f- uh, three and four. Yeah, pretty much like in two, three, and four. Pretty much until they could figure that out. But you need to make sure you have Anthony Davis. Anthony's got to Anthony's got to play. KCP, if that knee soreness is still there, there's no way he's getting for that game. He's going to be a game-time decision. I'm going to say no moss on him. He's not playing. Bench him. Scratch him. It's not going to work. But this is something that's serious. This is something that's serious. The Suns. The Suns. Need to capitalize on this. And the Suns have the most important task ahead of them. Has even more pressure in the world. Mostly Devin Booker. Is you beat LeBron James. Back to back games. You did that my friend. But now you have the responsibility. And the task ahead of you. Of closing out the series against a 14-0. LeBron James in the first round. 
who has been dominant throughout his entire career, right? This is they were this this is scary for the Lakers because it's the first time since acquiring Anthony Davis, like I said before, where they're facing elimination in the playoffs. And injuries have not helped them. Injuries have not helped them. But now let me let me switch gears real quick. Since we're talking about the Lakers and what they need to do to win, and we can go more on and on about what the Lakers have to do. But that's generally it. Just looking at game five, then looking at that game four, you can see some bad, bad things that need to be fixed. But now for the Suns. Let me talk about the Suns real quick. All the pressure in the world. A banged out Chris Paul who needs to play for the for the hope that Devin Booker does not stall out or anybody else stalls out. Plus, we need to feed DeAndre and the Rock more, switch it up because the Lakers will pounce on us if we try to roll the same schemes, plays, matchups, mix-ups, try to have a mismatch, different things like that. Though, this is the first time all series that the Suns were able to find their identity offensively, get into that groove, show them that this is the Devin Booker that's had his best career game ever. And that's understandably respect, respected because this is his biggest game. He just went up on the Lakers 3-2. When they went down 2-1 in the series against the Lakers, they won the next two and said, no, we're taking this back. Blowouts and all. Close games and all. 192. Then, uh, one, then uh, 115-85. We're doing it all. Assist they were really good in. Passing the ball. Transition plays. Fast breaks. Scoring. They were there. They have to re, uh, replicate this. They have to get off to a hot start. And they have to keep their defense high. They have to set the pace to their comfort level. Because fast pace is not always the same. Because if you go too fast pace, then Cameron Payne's going to try to go down to the lane again. And try to keep doing those fancy laps. And last game... He did that. He made it great, but then he got into the mindset like, let me keep doing it. The next play got blown up. Next possession got blown up. Then he realized he couldn't do that anymore. And that, that guy's out of control. Payne's out of control. Campaign's out of control. And he cannot be taking shots like that. Not in the most critical game in LA. And let me say this. Away. This is away in LA. And you do not want to be the guy. You don't want to be the team that has to go back to your home court. And I get you have home court advantage, right? But it's a game seven. You have to go against LeBron in the game seven with maybe a slightly healthy, more healthy KCP and Anthony Davis having a few days of rest. Come on. But I will say this. Devin Booker has not played well ever in LA this series. He's been iffy. He's been shaky. He's been crumbling like a soft cookie. He needs to be a tough cookie. And how weird that is for me to say about another guy. But I think you guys understand that he can't crumble under pressure. He needs to rise to that occasion. Tune in. And I know people are linking that back to Kobe and him and all the fun memories they had together. 
and everything that means in the stable stable center. Stable center arena. Stable arena. I'm just saying they 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 he just needs to tune that in. They need to make sure they tune in, block out all the distractions, hope manage Chris Paul's shoulder. They need to manage Chris Paul's shoulder. Why? Because if not, we have a whirlwind of problems. Because he's the one setting the pace. He's the one bringing the ball up, commanding that rock, finding the open court, open player on the court, passing it to De- uh, DeAndre Ayn, scoring, uh, being that all-around point guard that we need. I don't want Chris Paul going in there in the first or second quarter unless they need him to. Trying to scale these uh, hardcore layups, hard rebounds, trying to box out against Andre Drummond. I don't need all of that because last time when he did that, he re-injured his shoulder in the third quarter when Monty should have taken him out. He would have been even more healthier for this game, but I can't, can't change that now. But Chris Paul has to be different. Has to be a little cautious, but not over-cautious to the point where... He's not taking any shots, but he just has to play smart. And he has to know his own body saying, hey, I got to sit out for a few minutes. Or, hey, we're up by, t- I should say we're up by seven. I need to sit real quick. And when we lose that lead, or if we do, I'll come back in. It's got to sit. I got to keep working on my shoulder. But I love the fact that last game, that Suns did a great job, I knows, of creating more space for Devin Booker. Um, and the right side for Devin Booker is where he was cashing in most of his shots, where they're open the court more for him to create his own shots to get open. And the best part, the best part was this. They didn't have guys on the corners, guys in the wings, and they were trying to stay away from the wings and corners. Shots were just players staying around there, right? They 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 weren't doing that. They were trying to make it more spaced open for Devin Booker, cause Devin Booker tried to make a move, pull up, do anything, and look what they were doing. They did it. They were able to accomplish that, and it worked for Devin Booker to go off for thirty some odd po- for thirty points in a thirty point blowout. And it allowed everyone else to move around more freely. Allowed to have more intimidating presence. And the and it's scary when you think about it. It's scary when we think about it. The pick and roll game for the Suns have been working. Been creating more shots for Devin Booker. Has been seeing more opportunities when wanting to get Chris Paul involved more. Wanting to get the uh, court so I get the ball in a certain spot in the paint, getting at least one guy open because if you set the pick, another guy would be coming down, and then you could get to the open guy or slightly open guy that can make a play. But here's the thing. We always have to remember. We have to make sure the Suns do not collapse and have a good defensive effort uh, from letting the Lakers do anything and vice versa. The Lakers have to have a tremendous defensive presence and pressure and everything else. Just closing it out, going it up, going up strong, contesting every single shot, even if that results in more fouls. 
And I would just let Alex Crusoe or Macho Harrell get a few minutes in there, just contest every single one of them Booker shots until it's no longer possible for Devin Booker to shoot. But if I'm Devin Booker, I would just keep trying to drain free pointers, go in there, attack the rim, be different, be decisive. He knows what he's got to do. He knows what's all on the line. He knows where he's going. Monty Williams knows where he's going. Everybody's going to be playing smarter and harder, both sides of the team. But here's the thing. If the Suns want to be um, a perfect defensive team, they can't um, they can't fill the lane all the time because LeBron sees that or someone sees that, bring up the ball and they'll just kick it out to the guy in either in the corners or around the arc. And they're keeping that because they're, what they're doing is they're loading up. They're putting everybody trapped like in this little spear, containing them within the lane, then having at least one or two guys open for a shot that may or may not go in. And the reason why I say that, because normally when guys are open, they should make it. But for the Lakers, like Dennis Schroeder, KCP, Caruso, different guys like that have not been able to convert the three-point shots, and it's been a hit or miss for them. And that's like a scary part for them. That's not a little, but that that's make or break. They need to convert on that. And Suns, they need to convert on better defense, especially in the corners, because the corners are where they get them sometimes. Especially when Braun goes in, everybody sags into the middle, drags everyone in, then the guy just kicks it out for a jumper or corner free. It works. It works. But here we go. Th- that That's pretty much all. Like, we need to go more into in-depth, but we just have to keep a consistent pace. If I'm the Suns, I would try to contain LeBron the best I can, contain her best three-point shooter. If Anthony Davis plays, put DeAndre Ayton on him. Healthy guy is not a healthy guy. And I, I promise you, a strength groin and an injured knee is not going to allow you to be decisive that much, playmaking that much, and rebounding hard that much. It just won't because it never has. Especially when you can't move your legs that much when it's a sore groin. I'm just saying, there's going to be problems. There's going to be challenges. This is going to be one of the most electrifying games that we have seen in a while. In a while for the Suns. In a while for the Lakers in the first round. And even this playoffs in general. Because the Grizzlies were not entertaining in all of their matchups. The 76ers were not interesting in all of their matchups. Uh, the Clippers kind of. I'm just saying. Looking at it, if you're looking at all these things, the Bucks here weren't interesting. Celtics, uh, Nets weren't interesting. But the Bucks and Nets uh, series going to be phenomenal. But like I said before, if the Suns knock them off, everybody from Arizona is going to be talking about the Suns. But the mainstream media is going to be talking about, oh, why is LeBron Fallon's ever going to be about the Lakers until the Suns win the second round? Or shows more competitiveness and like, okay, Suns are more real deal. That's what's gonna happen. And ninety eight point seven, I believe it was Doug and Wolf, 
predicted that precisely, saying that's what's going to be like if they win game six or even a game seven. It's going to be about the Lakers for the first week until the Suns win in round two or compete more hard in round two and are starting to nose more. This wasn't a fluke. And I don't say this will be a fluke of age, of injuries, because both sides have age and injuries, right? I get the main stars are different, but one has more experience. And this is a, and this is a tough moment because besides Chris Paul and John, uh, and Jay Crowder, everyone else has not experienced the playoffs, has not expect, has not experienced the pressures of trying to close out a playoff game, and that's why having that veteran presence or playoff present minded people there to help guide you is very significant. It's something that we need to have for the Suns. and something that will benefit not only Devin Booker, not only Mikel Bridges, not only DeAndre Ayn, but everyone else around them, even the coaching staff. Because Chris Paul could be like, wait, we can do X. We can do this. John, uh, Jay Crowder could be like, okay, this is what I see. What do you guys think? I see this is the better route. Now, of course, I'm not saying, oh, don't let the head coach do anything. But I'm just saying. Chris Paul does know a few things just because he's been the postseasons. He's been with every team impossibly imaginable, right? No, I'm kidding. He was only with the Clippers. Um, he was with the Clippers. I, I get that. Then, oh, man, I'm having a brain freeze. No, 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 no. Oh, don't, oh, come on. I was just trying to test my knowledge, too. Oh. Uh, he's been with the Clippers. Suns, of course, we know. Thunder, Rockets. Is that all? Yeah. Oh, and the Pelicans. So Pelicans, Clippers, Houston, OKC, and now Phoenix. Huge career. Everything's coming down to this. And this is make or break for either team. Because if you force this to a game seven, back to Phoenix, that's going to be still difficult on both sides. But so is this game six. Get ready for today's matchup at 7.30 p.m. Arizona time. Um, I believe it's going to be on TNT. TNT, let me look. I have to look. Sportsnet. But. I don't Sportsnet. I don't, we don't watch Sportsnet. Uh, I'm looking this up right now. Like how to watch Suns against the Lakers. Game six. I don't care about games two. I want game six. Um. Wow. Okay, so I, I don't know right now. I have to look because I'm I'm guessing it's gonna be TNT. It's either gonna be TNT or ABC. That's that's what I'm guessing. That's what our people are saying. Like CBS Sports and like everyone else. Okay, real quick, I'd just like to say, how funny would it be for the Suns to win four to two against the Lakers? Because who remembers in 2010's playoffs when it was Kobe against Steve Nash and the Lakers beat the Suns four to two in the first round? Lakers against Suns four two Lakers. What if this year we can have a decade later, we'd have Devin Booker and Chris Paul against um, LeBron James and Anthony Davis 
a decade later, have it for two Suns beating the Lakers. I think that would be amazing. I think that would be history repeating themselves in the matchups than having the ultimate revenge game. Ultimate revenge series, and that would be something people would talk about if they remember it from a decade ago. But I just thought that was significant, and I've never heard anybody else talk about it until I brought it up today. Because I was telling my dad, that's pretty significant. This is a revenge series. This is something I didn't think of. The last time the Suns were in the playoffs was against the Lakers. So imagine coming into the playoffs, winning this series against the Lakers. Imagine what kind of note tone we'll be setting. Okay. With that being said, this one was a long podcast episode, but it was a one much needed. This was a much needed one, and that is all. That's all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. This gets us prepared for today's game with the Nuggets, Trailblazers, um, Suns, Lakers. Oh, real quick, I'm gonna pick the Suns. Suns are gonna win this, closing it out. Aging LeBron, um. And Lee Bum and what do you call him? Um, oh, yeah, Anthony Street Close Davis. The fan of me is coming out. I care for the expert of me. He's dead to me now. He's by proving me wrong so many times. But the fan of me is ready. I believe the Suns are convincingly ready to win this in Staples Center. I believe we can take this into the next round. I believe we're going to give it everything we got. This is going to be a close game in my mind. But ultimately, the victors are going to be the Phoenix Suns. Your Phoenix Suns will be winning. And this is going to be a sweet, sweet thing to remember and cherish. Because this is not this is not going to be done in a blowout. But in a dominant fashion. In a dominant, tight game on both sides. But with the Suns winning. Let me repeat that. The Suns are going to win. I am taking them all the way. See you guys for... Listening or watching this podcast episode, what you're listening this to on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, um, Google Podcasts, or YouTube, Rumble Day Motion, or anywhere else, or even IGTV when I get this up there, if it'll allow me. Probably past the hour limit. Well, I'll probably chop it up. I don't know. I have to still get it on there, but that is where we'll be at. Thank you guys for listening or watching. Remember, a Lee membership down uh, down in the description below on any streaming uh, platform you're using. And as a wrap, we'll see you guys again on Friday morning talking about why the box can be the next big thing in the playoffs this year in everything that happened with the Phoenix Suns, Lakers, Nuggets, um, Trailblazers, and if there's any breaking news. That is all. Thank you guys, and I'll see you on the next podcast episode.